Hey, y'all. I'm Erin Haynes, the host of The Amendment, a brand new weekly podcast on gender, politics, and power, brought to you by the 19th News and Wonder Media Network. You've probably heard the news that this election year, our democracy is at stake. On The Amendment, I'm breaking down what that actually means, specifically for the marginalized folks who depend on our democracy the most. This is a show that dives past the headlines and gets clear on the unfinished work of our democracy. Listen to The Amendment now, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Moments, a podcast that celebrates parenthood to the fullest. The smallest victories, the messiest failures, and the bravest decisions. You spent the last few weeks, I'm sure, watching today's guest at her fifth, yeah, I said it, fifth Olympics. She's one of the most decorated Olympians in track and field history. She's an advocate for women who are both athletes and mothers. And I feel so, so lucky to call her a friend. Welcome Cameron's mom, Allison Felix. First, I want to start by I've known you now, I calculated, for like 18 years, just FYI. I, I meet this track phenom in California, my first trip to California, you know, we were, we were celebrating at the ESPYs as Athletes of the Year. And so just to, to see all of this come for full circle, I want to start by saying how proud I am just to, like, know you and know your journey. And um, I want to ask, how did you know that you wanted to be an athlete? Yeah, well, first, thank you for having me. And it's that's so crazy that we've known each other that long. And I like vividly remember that trip. It's just it's crazy to see how both of us have come so far from that. And I feel the same exact way. Just really proud of you also. Um, I think it's interesting because I, I don't think I ever really wanted to be an athlete. Like I never like set out like that's what I want to be, right? You know, I have an older brother and i was always following in his footsteps you know like just trying to do what do whatever he did they were playing basketball they were skateboarding they were riding bikes you know all that stuff and so i just followed and tagged along and then it just came to me naturally you know i remember like being in pe class and i remember we would like run the perimeter of the school And I thought it was just the coolest thing that like I was running with the boys, like the whole class, like went at the same time. But like here I was like, you know, going, trying to win it all. And so it just kind of I feel like I like just stumbled into it. That that's amazing, because like you, you know, I had two older brothers that I aspired to be like. And I think that my mom and my dad always told me I could do and be anything. Was that a similar situation in your house? Yeah, exactly. Um, it's just like you fall in line, like no one's going to take it easy on you, right? Like I, I, my brother always talks about like the little brother or sister like syndrome because it's like you have these great athletes who are siblings, you know, because our brothers <laughs> never took it easy on us, like never let us win. Like my dad, I remember like us racing even, I think it was like all the way to like middle school or, you know, somewhere around then. Like, I remember the first time, like, I beat him, you know, like, that was like a major thing, knowing that it's like, no, you you can do whatever you want to do, but you're going to work for it and you're going to earn it. You know, I've seen, I've been to your, your old high school and I've seen the track that is in your, named in your honor. How has sport allowed you to become more confident in who you are? 
I think it's so important for everyone to do sports because it teaches you those like foundation lessons that you carry with you for the rest of your life. And I think it's the same for me. Like I literally came out to the track team to like meet people. Like I was at a new school, like I needed friends and my family was like, like, this is a good like way for you to meet people. And I had played basketball, you know, my freshman year and Candace, you know, like, you know, that basketball is not for me, you know, that I ended up where I am supposed to be. Um, but I remember coming out for the track team and just like finding my people, like, okay, this is like, these are my friends, like this goes beyond track. And I learned all those lessons, like, you know, that, that sports teach you, you know, dealing with defeat and like picking yourself back up and um, how to be on a team, like all of those things. Um, so yeah, it was just, it was just like at the right time, you know, that I came into it. And um, I feel like it has made me such a better person, obviously has given me so many new opportunities that I wouldn't have experienced before. Um, and just really like changed my life. And I think being able to like find your thing does help you build confidence, you know, like we all have our things. So whatever it is, it's like, okay, once you find it, I feel like it did serve that purpose um, to be confident in that area. But I think it transferred to other areas of my life. When did you know? Because I, I think every athlete has that like aha moment where you're like, I think I could do this at a higher level, whether it's whether you dream about going to college or whether it's per beyond that. Like, when did you have that? Oh, I'm I'm pretty fast. Like <laughs> this is this this is my thing. Yeah, it happened like I want to say my I remember the race. I think it was my it was my junior or senior year. I think it was my junior year in high school. I was in this race and it was like a professional race. My coach did a really great job. I mean, he was just like a volunteer coach, you know. You know how we like when we're in school it's like literally someone's parent is like <laughs> volunteering but my coach he always went the extra mile to like research and you know get me in these races and give me these opportunities and so he got me in this race with professionals and I was like in the furthest lane out so I was like lane nine or whatever and I remember just like running as fast as I could and I never saw anybody else like I finally got to the end and I was like oh my gosh I won a professional race and that's when I was like okay I think that I could actually do this and like <laughs> I started understanding more like what that even meant and um, about the Olympics and like all of that stuff. That's unbelievable. Have you always wanted to be a mom? Yeah, I mean, I I knew I always wanted to be a mom. I did, but it was interesting because like in my sport, I never saw like anyone celebrated being a mom. You know, like I think you were probably the first like you know person that I knew like friend who had a child like in their prime. It just didn't happen. And if it did, like we didn't hear anything about it. It wasn't celebrated. It was like in the silence. And I hated that because I don't think anyone ever told me like you can't have a child in your prime or, you know, here. But I think I just, I learned it because that's what I was around. I felt like I had to do everything before I could have a child. What was your first thought? you know, when you became, when you knew you were going to be, become a mom. And, and I say this not in the sense of life, because I think as mothers, we're so excited to have our kids, but in the sense of track, because I was just at my grandmother's house visiting her and I was cutting out an article and it was a topic of when I became pregnant. And it said, my first thought was disappointment. 
was the title of the article. For me personally, I know it was a struggle for me mentally, you know, to kind of deal with all of the different opinions of others and what they would say. How did you initially kind of deal with that, those remarks or those comments or, or those thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I can't even imagine what it was like for you, you know, at that time, because to be such a young age and to be dealing with that. And so I can't even imagine because I feel like for me, you know, I was 33 years old and I still felt scared. I knew that I wasn't done, but I felt like everybody else thought that I would be done. And I was right. You know, sponsors, like they felt like it was over for me. And I knew also timing wise, like I was going through negotiations and this was like the worst possible thing that could happen, you know, when you're going through that. So yeah, scared. Um, I think that's the biggest feeling scared. You know, obviously we were excited personally, but it was like professionally um, fear of just like what's to come. And I feel like that fear kind of trickles into how things are shared and handled, you know? And, you know, it's something, it's one of the most joyous periods of your entire life. It's something that you're going to remember forever. But for a very long time, you know, I did not tell people that I was pregnant. Like you said, it's like, it's this time that is so special. Like it should be so celebrated. And for me, it was really lonely. It was like super isolating. You know, I, I didn't, I couldn't like feel like I could share my pregnancy because of the negotiations that I was going through. And so I was like training at like 4am while it was still dark outside. I was wearing baggy clothes. If I even went anywhere, you know, it was like this, like I was in hiding. So it was like, it's, that's probably the hardest part of everything is just going back to those moments. And it's like, okay, it didn't look like anything that I had dreamed it to look like. But at the same time, I think by going through all of that, it's made me like, just embrace that, like, I have to speak about this, we have to change things. Like, I don't want our daughters to ever be in that situation, you know, and that's like all the motivation to be able to say, like, I'm gonna do whatever I have to do to change this. Let's talk a little bit about just your experience, like you said, with negotiations with Nike. I mean, you're quoted as saying Nike told me to dream crazy until I wanted a baby. And I think that that's kind of been, you know, other women's experiences when they want to have kids. Because if you think about it, we compete in our prime years of having children. And, you know, I recently went through the process of freezing my eggs. And, man, I left there like if I could have gotten this information at 22, 23 years old, they they keep a lot of information from you during your years you're competing and then you go to try, you know, to have kids or to whatever, and it's like a problem. And I think you find that also with what you went through with Nike and negotiations, like dream big, but you know. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I wasn't supported holistically. And I think that's where like, I really want to see a shift, you know, it's like, we are so caught up in like, these are the performances and that's the only thing that matters, but it's like, no, I'm a whole person and there's all these different aspects of me. And I find it really interesting that like, you know, we choose and pick like, okay, well, once you have the baby and everything, well, then we're going to tell this story and we're going to market you and this is going to be great. But it's like, well, what about when, when I was, you know, trying to come back or I mean, it's a it's a 
a story that I feel like so many women like across industries can relate to. And it's like, let's tell the whole story instead of waiting to the moment of when everything comes together and I cross the line and I win, then it's like, you want to backtrack and like pick up the pieces. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's like, we've got to do things different. Like you said, we have to share information. I remember when I did get pregnant, like there was no like place to go for information of like, well, can I train? Like, what can I do? You know, how do I do? Like, I want to come back, but how? You know, there's a lot of women, you know, within the corporate world that feel as though when they're applying for jobs or trying to climb up the corporate ladder, that they have to hide their desires to want a family. You know, obviously, historically, that has fallen on women. So, you know, people that are hiring with their hiring practices, you know, and you're in your 20s and 30s trying to climb the corporate ladder and you're 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 seeing a lot of the similar things that we're facing in sport. Like this just isn't a sport problem. And it's like how are we still dealing with this? Exactly. As athletes, I feel like we're invincible. I I don't know. Like you know what I mean? You have this like you get hurt, you come back, you do this, you come back. You know, nobody ever shares of other experiences like you said, you kind of have to search out advice and thoughts and you're kind of dependent on your doctor and what they tell you. And that shifts into maternal, you know, health, just in terms of pregnancy and things like that. And if you could share a little bit of your experience with the birth of Cameron, Cameron Grace, who is two years old, a delight right now, just I, my niece, she's so cute. Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, she's living her best life these days, like doing all of the things. (laughs) But yeah, I was, I had a really great pregnancy. I felt like I, you know, I trained throughout, I felt good. I was running, I was swimming, lifting weights, you know, kind of doing all the stuff that I wanted to be doing. Um, and then at 32 weeks, I went for just a routine, normal appointment. Um, when I went in, I was spilling protein and they wanted to monitor me. So they sent me to the hospital, started getting monitored and then they admitted me. And from the time I got admitted um, in that whole night, things just kind of went out of control. My blood pressure was really high. Um, and I finally got diagnosed with a severe case of preeclampsia. And yeah, it was just a whirlwind of quick decisions that had to be made. And it finally came down to an emergency C-section and kind of going into it. Like, I feel like I knew statistics around black women, you know, we are, um, three to four times more likely to face complications or death. Um, when giving birth, but I don't know, like you said, how we're athletes, we feel invincible. I think that was just like the mindset, like I'm healthy. I, I know how to be healthy. Like I've done this all of my life. Like I just don't see myself ending up in the situation. And I remember, you know, being in the hospital when things were getting really, really scary and we weren't sure kind of what was going on and just being like, oh my gosh, I wish I would have known like this could have happened. And I wish I would have had like, not that it would have made it, you know, better, but I just wish I would have been prepared. It was traumatic, you know, like it it wasn't anything that I had imagined that would happen. And, um, you know, I was in the hospital for a while and then leaving the hospital without my daughter, like that was the hardest thing. It's like, who imagines that, you know, who, who imagines going home and it's like, okay, well, Now we're going back around the clock to be in the NICU with her. And, you know, I feel so blessed that everything worked out. But there are so many women who are affected by this. And, 
you know, who don't have the happy ending. And so it just really pulled on my heart to be like, I mean, if I can share my story, if I can do anything surrounding maternal health, you know, I'm all for it. You went to Capitol Hill and you discussed the challenges facing African-American women, especially the birth challenges and the health crisis. Basically, that's, you know, in America. And you as a healthy, young, 33-year-old Olympian, five times, four times at the time, Olympian, are facing these challenges, then what's going on elsewhere? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's so alarming. Like when you hear the statistics and when you see that it doesn't matter, like I think people automatically think, well, it's it's areas that don't have as good of medical care. Well, this is Serena Williams. This is Beyonce. Like they have all, you know, suffered in this area. And I think the thing that is most troubling to me is that a lot of these complications and deaths can be prevented. And it's like, if we can do something about this, how are we not doing that? How is America still a very dangerous place to give birth for women of color? Like that should not be the case if, if we're able to do something about it. Is there any advice that you would give um, women out there that are, you know, in pregnancy? And like I said, you can be healthy. I saw I saw you a couple weeks before that. Perfect. You know, in terms of the way that you felt. And, you know, so is there any advice that you can give to others um, that you will take with you? if you have another child? Educate yourself, like know kind of things that you're at risk for. Um, don't be intimidated by your doctor. You know, they're there to help you, like ask all the questions, even when they sound silly. Um, I think the biggest thing is advocate for your own health, like for you and designate someone else who, when things go south, who can also speak on your behalf um, because a lot of it is just we're not heard like you know our pain is not believed and we know our bodies better than anybody else and we've got to speak up when something doesn't seem right feel right or any of that yeah I, you you talked about being silenced and feeling like you don't have a voice and i think sometimes i didn't really develop that voice until i had a daughter you know i would kind of take things that people would say to me and even though i felt it may be different i wouldn't say anything but when i had layla it was like a different experience and i would say i would second that to others because sometimes you know something isn't right and it's about being persistent and kind of finding that right balance and if you have a chance you know if you don't believe something is right then change doctors ask questions you know do further research um and like you said have somebody else that can help you and help you make those decisions. Allison, you're a five-time Olympian, um, 11-time. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I literally sometimes am just blown away by what you have accomp accomplished in your career. I mean, I say this all the time. Layla has the most amazing role models. An amazing role model in you. And yes, you've accomplished so much but who you have continued to be and in, in your purpose in running. Um, I know your purpose changed from the first four Olympics to now the fifth. And if you could really kind of take me through, you know, the last two years of how that Cam Cameron has ignited, you know, that new purpose for you. Yeah, I mean, I just relate so much to what you said about, you know, becoming a mother helped you find your voice. Like that has been my experience and it's been a long like journey to get to that place. Um, I always felt like it was like nobody really cared about 
any other aspect of my life, just like run fast, get medals. Like, you know, that's what it was about. Once I became a mother, then I started to look at things different and it allowed me to be able to use my voice and to speak out on, you know, things that I didn't think were right, areas that needed change and just my own personal experiences. Um, so I feel like the last couple of years, that's what's happened. You know, I was able to talk about the maternal protections and contracts. I was able to, you know, um, advocate for women with maternal health. Um, and then just like advocating for women in general, like there's just, there's so much to do. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been really challenging the last couple of years, but I finally feel at this place, like I'm able to see why it was kind of necessary to go through the things that I went through and that I'm absolutely where I'm supposed to be. And I know Allison won't say this, but she is the most de decorated Olympian in track and field in history, man or woman. And she gave away $10,000 each for childcare to her fellow athletes. So if you talk about just advocating for others, um, that was a huge step. But I'm, I'm going to go this direction. This is the direction I'm going to go. I'm going I'm, I'm to go. I'm going I'm to raise you this story. Here we go. So my first road trip with Layla as a mom was from L.A. to New York perfect angel on the flight okay so we're playing the new york liberty the next day um we land you know we're gonna go to madison square garden i have the pictures with her it's perfect we go to take a nap she blows out her diaper throws up all over her clothes we're about to go to the game she i, I she peed through and got it in her car seat and it was the car seat that you couldn't just lift up and change i'm like trying to do bottles in the sink because during the game, Sheldon had to feed her, so they had to be sterilized. We lost her binky. Like, it was just, it was one of those things where it was just like, you look at yourself in the mirror after the game and you're just like, you failed. Like, it was, <laughs> this this whole trip was just like, I mean, she's, she's good, she's fed, she's sleep now after the game. So can you talk a little bit about the experience that you've had similar to that with Cammy, because honestly, she runs things and that's how it's gonna be. She does run things. Um, oh my gosh, that story. Like, I just remember coming to you, like, when we were about to, like, you know, start flying with her and, you know, getting all of the advice, like, Candace, okay, like, break this down to me. Like, what do I need? What do I need to do? What are, because it's such a terrifying thing for a parent to be like, okay, and especially us, you know, taking these flights, like, across the world. Um, oh my gosh, there's, there's a lot of messy stories, but I will say when, so obviously at the Olympics, you know, my family wasn't able to come. And so they were back home and I remember being so excited to come back, you know, and it's had a, such a nice homecoming reunion. And I think I got back like on a Sunday and Monday, you know, back to school for Cami. And so, you know, take her to school. Everything is all good, normal. And I'm, you know, going about my day and I get a call from the school and I'm like, okay, like hopefully everything's good on the phone. They're like, oh, everything is fine, but um, we're going to need you to pick up Cammie. Um, she has diarrhea. <laughs> so I was like, this is great. Like life comes at you fast. Like one second you're at the Olympics, yeah. like winning medals and yeah. you come home the next day and you're like going and cleaning up poop. Like at the end of the day, you're just mom, like Cammie could care less. Like Cammie runs things for sure. And you know, another, another photo that you posted, which is near and dear, um, to, to my heart is Cammie made you a, a gold medal. Yeah. It was so cool because I, I came to, I think I was dropping her off and 
obviously, you know, you're not really expecting, you know, anything. And I took her to the door and was saying bye to her. And um, she comes out with this medal. And they're like, oh, Cammie wants to present you with this. She made this. And it was just the most adorable thing. And, you know, all the feels. But I think also it's like, it's this reality of like, this is what matters. And I think as athletes, you know, there is so much weight, so much expectations on like winning and, you know, what it means and that it, it defines like who you are. And it's, that's so not true. And it's like, these are the moments that actually matter. Like Cammy doesn't care if I don't win anything else or, you know, it's at the end of the day, you're a parent and you love your child, just like all the rest of the parents. And you know, raising her, like, those are the things that actually matter in life. And um, I think it was just, like, kind of realization that, like, this is, this is what it's about. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Welcome to our Capital One Cafe Break. Each week, we'll chat with a Capital One parent about their relationship with family and finances. Today, we're talking with Alita Stampley. Senior Director of Community Impact and Investment at Capital One. Welcome, Alita. Yeah, I do. I have five kids. They are young adults. They're aged 25 to 30. We've raised a village, though, around us. Um, but yeah, have an amazing family, have um, enjoyed being a parent. It's probably the best job in the whole world. It is the best job in the whole world. And to be honest with you, I think now we're finally talking about how difficult of a job it is. So how have you seen that transition with parenthood working parents from the time your kids were little to now? Um, I didn't share with people um, how many kids I had. And I didn't tell them what I was going through at home in an open way because I was afraid uh, that I wouldn't get the promotion or I might not get the great job or they wouldn't ask me to travel because they were worried about whether or not I needed to be at home. And I saw men not having to do that. But today, when I, the women that work with me um, are amazing. They put that out there first. Capital One is really great about making those accommodations for people so that they can show up and be their whole selves at work and at home. And you speak about the village. And I know that that village is led by your mom. She raised seven kids. She was a teacher for 30 years in Kansas City, Missouri. She brought kids home. So again, our village was huge because she was taking care of others. And the, the things that they valued uh, we're all about education and all about preparing us for a future. They wanted us to be better than them. That was their big message to all of us. So again, at 87 years old, I'm still calling her. She's still giving me advice. What were some of those, the biggest joys that you've had as a mother? And what have been things that you've struggled with balance, um, you know, within your career and being a parent? I mean, I would say the balance period, by the way, has been a lot more joy than anything else because my husband and I, my family and I have always put our family first. So despite what was going on around us or outside, we knew that we had sanctuary with each other. I would say the, the joys and the, the joys include even watching my daughter play basketball or uh, seeing my son play baseball or watching them graduate a couple master's degrees in the family now. So I've been to a lot of graduations. I'm pretty proud of how they turned out. I think recently we had a, a real struggle. So um, my husband went to work two years ago around this time, August 27th. I got a call from his job and they said there'd been an accident at work. And he passed away from a, a heart attack. He had a, I think the coroner said it was the largest heart he'd ever seen. We were celebrating him some days and we we're upset that he left us on other days. And so 
Um, we had 27 amazing years together. I celebrate that all the time. But what it's done to our family, even to our finances, even to our operation as a family and how we can be together, uh, it's changed everything. Um, and we need each other even more. So I say all that to say, you never stop raising your kids and you never stop learning from them and you never stop meeting them. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I know just from listening to the way that you speak about your kids, you really are intentional. Like you can, you can tell you're very intentional in your actions and the way that you parent. So how do you balance talking to young adults that are children without being the mom that's like giving unsolicited advice? Oh, and, and don't think because I work for a bank that they accept my banking advice, nor does my mother who will call my brother who has no banking knowledge to ask questions. What I'm trying to do for my kids um, and I, what Capital One is trying to do for everyone is make sure that people have that knowledge about finances, that they have that understanding about credit and about a safety net. Um, and even beyond that, that they have, you know, kind of that understanding about how to rebound when things don't go well. Like I, I had a I played basketball, I wasn't good at it, but my high school coach taught me how to fall down and how to get back up. I love the job that I have because it is like incredible amount of purpose and giving of resources out to the community is exactly the right spot for me to be because I can add voice to a room that the community folks can't get into and I can bring resources to the community that are much needed and available from a corporation that wants to do it. one-size-fits-all approach to achieve financial well-being. So Capital One offers plenty of resources to help people stress less about money and get on the right financial path. As a working parent, I love that their services provide both value and convenience. Things like a free credit monitoring tool, available to everyone, not just customers, and their Money and Life program that helps you plan out your goals in life via one-to-one -one mentoring group workshops, and self-guided exercises. Capital One is dedicated to helping you spend wisely, build savings for the short-term and long-term, manage credit and debt, and handle unexpected expenses life may throw your way. Hey, welcome back to Moments with Candace Parker. Allison, I want to paint the picture of um, your comeback because I think, you know, women in general coming back from having a baby, you know, you think, man, just getting your figure back and, you know, you do a couple, you know, up and backs and you try to work out three, four times a week. But to come back at the at the level that you came back from and you've had other injuries, like you've had injuries that you've had to overcome. Can you rate that experience? Because I, I can't even describe the way that your body and mind are so connected and when you have a child it's like it's disconnected oh my gosh it, it's such a humbling experience I mean I remember talking to you about your experience and I, I remember being blown away about like how quickly you were back playing and like back at actual games and I remember you saying like you shouldn't have been like I'll say that I thought again thinking I'm invincible um you know, I had seen other people and I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to take four weeks. I'm going to come back. You know, it's going to not miss a beat. Um, and it was everything that I thought did. It just went completely opposite. So, you know, I had a 
had the C-section. Um, so I had to heal from that. And then it was just humbling. Like everything was hard. It was just like, oh my gosh, like this is, it feels like I don't know this body. Like this is not what I'm used to. Um, and then slowly, like gradually, like I got glimpses. Like after a year, I would say after a year, that's when I was like, okay, I can see where this is going. And I'm like, I can see that I can get back to myself. But I will say that first year, I was like all out of sorts. And I was just like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I'm gonna get back. To to see kind of where you came from, like just within the last two and a half years, what was that experience like? What was that moment like? Like when I look back now, I, I honestly don't know how like I did it or how the team rallied around me. Like I, I literally don't know how. Like Kenny showed me a picture actually earlier today and it was right before world championships. And I'm a good still probably 15 pounds heavier than I usually am when I'm racing. He was like, how did they let you on this team? How did they, how did they let you, you know, like, how did you do this? And it's just, it's amazing to see the transformation, but it's also, I can say like, it's a beautiful process as well, because it's like, you know, you have to take the moments, like you have to be present in this life that you're building and creating and all of that. Um, and it's really hard. Like it's harder than I ever would have thought it would have been, but it's also very rewarding as well. When you come on the other side of it and you look back and you're like, wow, like, you know, obviously sleepless nights and lots of tears and you know, all of it, but it's like, okay, when you, when you reach that goal or whatever it is for you, um, it really does mean a lot. You know, it, it had to be difficult at 34 years old to hear that the Olympics are postponed. They might not happen. You know, how was that experience just dealing with that? It was so wild. Like just the training aspect of it was so different than anything I had experienced before. You know, obviously in LA, we were super locked down and we didn't have a place to train. So it was like, it was like guerrilla style training. Like we would go to a track and I, I think we talked about it too, because I was yeah. like, well, if you go to this track and you hop this fence and you do this and that, <laughs> you can get in until the police come. Like <laughs> going from track to track to track and just like waiting to get kicked out and then leaving town. And, you know, we went to Arizona for a while, which was a little bit more open to train. And before then we were like running in the streets and on the beach and, you know, just wherever we could. And I was just like, this is so crazy. Like we're training for the Olympics and like, you know, everyone was going through so much and there was just such a, a loss of normalcy and life. And it was just, you also felt like you're in it with everyone else. Like, you know, you're not alone in this struggle. And it's like, my struggle is, you know, to run like that at the end of the day, you know, people are experiencing so much more. So I think it was very easy to put things into perspective. Um, but yeah, the training was just like, you know, there's there's so many moments where I just had to laugh. And it's like, is, is this what we're doing? <laughs> I, I remember a video that you posted of running on the street in front of your house. And you had like the markers of, you know, how far, how many meters or whatever like that. Listen, adversity reveals and builds character. And I want to talk about something amazing was born from this experience. And I think it's so beautiful because you share in this experience with your brother who is very a huge part of your career so if you could just talk about this new baby that was born and and what it has meant to you 
Yeah, so we built a lifestyle brand for women, me and my brother. It's called Sage. And our first product is a lifestyle sneaker for women. And it literally came out by necessity. I was talking with my brother Wes and um, I did not have a footwear sponsor. And it was just crazy to me to think like, okay, here I am at this point of my career. I've done all this stuff and like, I can't find a sponsor. And I knew when I spoke out, you know, about what happened with Nike, like there was going to be consequences. And I knew I wasn't sure what that was going to look like. And I found an amazing apparel partner in Athleta. And I was totally inspired by how they did their business. 97% women, female led. Um, I, I just, I really aligned with their values and everything they stood for. And I was like, well, I want to find this in footwear. Like I, you know, we got to do this. And so we couldn't find it. And Wes was like, well, what if we like did it ourselves? And I'm like, you know, we're two like LA kids, like nothing, you know, no crazy, you know, upbringing or anything like that. I'm like, what, how can we do this? <laughs> and it was just like taking that step and saying like, well, women have been overlooked for far too long. Like this is an area that needs to be addressed. Like we can do this. And so I think it was definitely one of my proudest moments to be at the Olympic Games and have went through so much adversity and to step on the track, you know, wearing spikes that my company made um, in our brand, you know, I, I just felt so fulfilled and like a representation for women because we've all been told to know our place, right? Like in some form or fashion, we've all had that experience. And so to be out there and to say like, no, you can, your story's not done. Like, don't let anybody put limits on you. Um, you, you own, you know, the steps that you take. Um, it was just really a special moment. So yeah, it was all built during the pandemic and it's just, it's an incredible team. Um, and just, I really felt inspired by the women who reached out to me. And when I shared my story and I was just like, we, I think we can do this. Well, Layla, like I said before, has amazing role models. Um, and I am so grateful um, for you taking the time to do this with me. I, I want to ask you one more thing before we go. Um, what do you hope for, for Cammie? You know, when people ask me like, oh, is she going to run track? It's like, well, I would rather her not, but you know, obviously whatever she decides to do, I'm going to support her. I hope that she does whatever she wants, you know, and I hope that she, that the world is in a place where she can do that. Whatever her passion, whatever it is, that nothing limits her to be able to pursue that and to do it, you know, to the best of her ability. Um, and yeah, I'm always going to be there, you know, supporting and helping and cheering. <laughs> and I love it. And I love it for you. And I love it for her because, um, it's got an amazing mother to look up to. I mean, yes, you got 11 medals and all that, but, uh, 11 Olympic medals, but at the same time, just amazing to see, um, you as a mom. I think that's my favorite role to watch you in. That's it for this episode of Moments with Candace Parker. Thank you so much, Allison, for joining us. If you've got a question, a story, or a moment you'd like to share, please leave a voicemail at 732-889-3358. If you'd like to learn more about the show, you can follow us on Twitter at WMNmedia or on Instagram at WMN.media. You can also follow me, Candace 
at Candace Parker on Instagram. Moments with Candace Parker is a Wonder Media Network production. It's produced by Maddie Foley and Brittany Martinez with help from Alessandra Tejeda. Our executive producers are Robin Roberts and Jenny Kaplan. Special thanks to our exclusive season sponsor, Capital One. See you later. Hey, it's A. Hey, it's B. And we're here to tell you about our Just Women Sports podcast, Tea with A and B. On each episode, Asia and I catch you up on everything that's going on in the WNBA on and off the court. And not only that, we bring you interviews with the biggest ballers in basketball and pop culture like Don Staley, Kevin Durant, Sweetie, and gold medalist. <laughs> Who are always ready to spill some hot piping tea. Yes, so grab your phone, computer, tablet, whatever it is, and subscribe to Tea with Anne Fee wherever you get your podcasts.